All right. Well, good morning. He is risen. Oh, it's great to be with you. My name is Dennis Beausejour, and I'm uh, honored this morning to be able to uh, bring God's Word to us. But I'm going to start with a, a special introduction to my message. And um, this is really in honor of all of our parents and all of our children um, who are uh, learning the Word at home. And um, uh, I had a request to bring... Uh, one of our young ones up here this morning to give us kind of a 101 rundown on Easter. So that's going to be Tilly, Tilly Beausejour. Would you come on up here? Would you welcome her? All right, Tilly. All right. And I'm going to put this here and you just do what you're going to do. Okay? You can say good morning. Good morning. I'm Tilly Beausejour. All right. Now go ahead. And what do you got here? Eggs. Eggs. All right. So we got 12 eggs. You're going to open them for us, right? Yeah. Okay. And tell us what's inside. One is a leaf that he, he rode on, when he rode on a donkey and they threw leaves before him. So he rode on a donkey and he came into Jerusalem on, on these palm branches. Okay. Next one. Two is the bread when he broke and gave to his disciples before he before the day before he um, was going to die on the cross. All right, so the bread he gave is to his disciples. All right, what's next? Ooh. The three, the 30... So, Coins of silver. Three silver coins. All right. Three and what is that about? Coins. And there's three dimes to represent them. The 30 pieces of silver mm-hmm. that... That Judas um, got to betray Jesus. That Judas got to betray Jesus. Okay. The plot thickens. All right. What's that one? The rope when they whipped Jesus. The rope? The whip. That uh, Jesus used? That, that they whipped him with. They, the, the whip that they whipped Jesus with. Okay. Ouch. That's a big owie. Okay. What's next? Number five is a crown in the cloth. The, the crown is the, the one they... They put it on his head. The dark brown, the light brown, and the black represent the thorns, and the red represents the blood. So the, the crown of thorns went on his head, and he was bleeding, okay? Mm-hmm. And what's the, what's the cloth? The cloth represents the... When, when, they, when they put him in purple cloth, which means... And they put him in purple cloth. Because it means royalty. They put him in purple cloth because he's royalty. That was the robe he got to wear. Okay. Number six. Number six is the cross he died on. Number six is the cross that he died on. All right. We have one behind us just in case people forget. All right. All right. Keep going, Tilly. You're doing great. Number seven is he... 
he when he went on the cross they nailed him. Three nails, oh, three ouch. nails for two of his hands and his two feet. Oh, three nails, ow. Okay. What's next? Number eight is the sign they pitted on the cross that said King of the Jews. To, yes. King to, of the Jews. To tease him. Mm, they were trying to tease him, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And make, 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 make him embarrassed. And they were trying to shame him, weren't they? Mm-hmm. What's next? Number nine is the sponge in the stick. And the sponge in a stick. I mean the spear. The sponge is when they dipped in vinegar and, and he, they, they were like, here, Jesus, drink this. But Jesus refused because it makes you more thirsty. The stick is when they stabbed it into his side. Wow. And a little blood, came, blood and water came out. Blood and water came out, which means what? That he's actually dead, not faking it. That he's actually dead and not faking it. Okay. The cloth that they wrapped him when he was, when the cloth that you wrapped him in, when they put him in the grave, and the, and there's seeds in here that, that, um, that, they represents the perfume, the spices. The, that represents the spices. So you can't see the spices in there, but they're there, and that's what that's There's, what they put him to bury him with, right? Mm-hmm. Number eleven. Number eleven is this a rock that represents the stone on that they rolled to the Seal grave. The grave. So that represents the stone they sealed the grave with, okay? So nobody could get in. And now, the last one is? Nothing. It's empty, representing what? Why why would you look for the living among the dead? Right, all right. Well done, Tilly. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Well done. Well done. So that, my friends, is the Easter story in a nutshell. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, it's a story you can probe to its depths. You have Easter eggs at home? All right. All right. Thank you, Leah. All right. So look, the Easter story, you can, you can see it's simple enough for a child to grasp, and it's deep enough for people to study their entire lives to understand what God is really up to. So this morning, I just want to fast forward to the end of the story and then I want to go a little bit beyond that. So let's start with uh, the Gospel of Luke and the account that Luke gives uh, for this story. And if, you wanna, if you're able to stand, please go ahead and stand. We're just going to read this together um, in honor of God's Word. And this is Luke's account, Luke's account of the resurrection. Let's read it together. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning... 
the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the tomb, rolled from, from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. These are the very words of God. Thanks for honoring that. You can be seated. And as I thought about this passage and I thought about this world-altering resurrection, and I was praying about what to really talk about today, you know, when he came out of the grave, he defeated death. He defeated the enemy that probably causes us more stress and strain than any other enemy around. And when he came out of the grave, he spent... 40 days speaking with his people, with his disciples, appearing to people. And as I thought about those 40 days, I felt like what I was supposed to focus on this morning is what is the agenda of the king? What is Jesus's post-resurrection? What are those words pointing towards? And what was most important? He had 40 days in a resurrection body speaking to his leaders, his disciples. And so I believe this morning what I really want to zero in on is the agenda of the risen King Jesus. This is, if you will, the resurrection agenda. Why did all of this happen? Why did it, uh, why did it come? And Jesus uh, had three things that he was focused on. Number one was the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is... It's a word gospel there means good news. It's an announcement of something that has happened that is of primary importance to the entire cosmos. The second part of his agenda was to call the people who are following him into a mission to reach the whole world. And the third most important thing that he talked about was giving those of us following him the power we would need to carry out the mission. Very amazing that when you look at this, the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom belongs to the Father. At the end, Jesus is going to give the kingdom to the Father. The disciples belong to Jesus, and the power belongs to the Holy Spirit. So actually what we have here is we have the agenda of the Trinity and what they were looking for and what they were hoping to accomplish in announcing this resurrection from the dead. Now, what was the context of this thing that God did 2,000 years ago? The context was that there was a Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the epicenter of the world in those days. The Roman Empire represents all of what man can muster in terms of power, uh, wisdom, uh, uh, athletics, anything you can think of, 
the Roman Empire was the cat's meow in those days. And the Roman Empire was made possible by brutal military rule. Brutal military rule, which then they, in a strange turn of phrase, called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And this was their gift to the world. And this brutal military rule manifested itself in crucifixions. This was the chosen method of death of the Roman Empire. They were absolute masters at it, and they knew that it was the most painful type of death you could possibly inflict on someone because they, the, the person being crucified ultimately dies of asphyxiation. Of asphyxiation. And they did about 250,000 of these every year all over the Roman Empire, usually outside the walls of a city on street level so people could walk by and see what would happen to them if they messed with the Roman Empire. And when the Emperor Augustus was crowned, his coronation, the announcement that came with that was the date of Augustus's birth was the beginning of the gospel of the Emperor Augustus. And here in the city of Ephesus, in modern-day Turkey, where Paul wrote to the church that was here, Paul would have gone through these gates, and up on the left there, circled in red, uh, it says, Caesar, divine son of God, high priest. And this was the gospel of the emperor, the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus came into this world and his resurrection and his post-resurrection appearances were all about the gospel of the kingdom. This is the biggest idea in human history. This is the idea that says there's a real king, a real emperor, who has just defeated death. He's come out of the grave. And what he's going to give you is real peace. He's going to give you real security. He's going to give you eternal life. And he's not going to do it by brutal military rule, but he's going to do it by love. Love. That's how he's going to do it. That's the announcement of the kingdom. And so Jesus had been preceded by the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah came and he said, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah was talking about the coming kingdom. And so Jesus came and preached, hey, the kingdom of God is near. And he he says, repent and believe the good news. So he was essentially claiming a new order in the cosmos, a new order of love that he was instituting. So when he rose from the dead, um, he he said this to his disciples, uh, or Luke records what he was doing. He says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This was the focal point of Jesus' ministry, was announcing the kingdom. So in honor of Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to give you the brief version of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. And he began by saying, there is a kingdom. It is designed by God, the created order, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, a perfect world. Uh, a man made in his image, 
a woman made in his image. They were told to subdue the world, to multiply. And what God had in mind was a world filled with love, with people who are in his image. And that's the charge he gave to Adam and Eve. But we all know the story. Adam and Eve decided to not believe God, but they decided to believe a fallen angel. There had already been a rebellion in heaven. A fallen angel, dressed as a serpent, comes to them and tells them that, no, there's a better way. You can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you're going to be like God. The crazy thing was, is they were already like God. But nevertheless, that's what they believed. And so sin entered the world. Sin is anything that we do that is self-centered, that is uh, self-promoting, that is opposed to what God's design for the world is, for God's loving design. And this sin has landed us in a world of brokenness. Brokenness can be seen just by turning on the television. It can be seen in Murder and war and racism and divorce and depression and suicide and addiction. It's easy to spot. But it's interesting that in the middle of this brokenness, we keep trying to find a different way to deal with that. And these little arrows shooting off here represent our efforts to work our way out of brokenness. It can be uh, by plunging ourselves into a really great job. It can be by hunting for money. It can be by sports and and achieving fame. It can be by sex. It can be by food. It can be by alcohol and drugs. There's lots of ways that we've invented to get out of brokenness. And God says, I'm not going to leave you like this. That's the the really beautiful thing about this. God says, no, I'm going to tell you about the gospel. And I'm going to bring good news to you where the kingdom will come and we will identify the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom and we will see clearly what God wants to do as Jesus breaks into the world and announces that there's a way out of brokenness. And the true good news is that Jesus decides to leave heaven to come and be one of us. He lives a perfect life according to God's design. He lives that life in the top left. He then is crucified for his trouble. He's killed. But on Sunday morning, he rises from the grave and and he announces that the kingdom of God has overcome the kingdom of this world. The resurrection defeats sin and death and brokenness and opens a way for us to be brought back to God's design. And that's the good news. Now, we have to not just intellectually go, well, that's really cool, God. But we have to make a decision about this. We have to put our faith in what Christ did. And so he invites us to repent and believe. Repent is just another word for think differently. Change your mind. Change your thinking. Turn around. So we could also say turn and trust. Repent and believe or turn and trust. Say that. Turn and trust. That's, that's, that's the way that we take advantage of what God has done for us. And when we do that, 
we get the option of moving towards recovery of God's design. Uh, and we get to pursue God's design. So I don't know where you are this morning, but if you're, if you're in brokenness, God wants you not to leave here today without understanding this good news gospel. And he wants you to receive his son. He wants you to walk with his son by faith. And when you make that decision, uh, you, are, you go to God and you say, hey, forgive my sin, forgive my selfishness, forgive my bad attitude, whatever it might be. And he forgives by faith. And he restores us and he moves us back into the pursuit of God's design. And not only that, but he does one more thing. He sends us back into the brokenness. He sends us back into the brokenness and he says, okay, be, be my ambassadors and let's, let's see if we can't find more people who want to get on the Jesus kingdom train and get back towards God's design. And that leads me then into the second piece, which is the mission that he gives his disciples, which is very much that mission of going into the brokenness. And here's how he said it. He says to his disciples, uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mission. One paragraph. No charts. No PowerPoints. That's it. That's the mission. And we see in there four things. Four things. First of all, go, or as you go, get going. Get back out there in the brokenness and get going. Make disciples. How do you make a disciple? You simply invite someone to follow Jesus with you. And when someone decides to follow Jesus, they are instantly made a disciple. It takes... It takes one second to become a disciple. It takes a lifetime to look like one. Right? But make a disciple. And then the next thing he says is baptize them. Baptize them. And then he says, teach them how to obey. And the order is pretty important because so many people say, well, I got to get my life right before I come to God or I got to figure out what he wants me to do, whatever. Actually, it's exactly the opposite. He wants you to trust first. Then he wants you to get baptized and then he wants you to learn all the stuff he's got, good stuff he's got for you in that order. So uh, as we think about uh, disciples this morning, we have uh, a new disciple uh, in, in our midst today. And uh, I want to introduce you to Brenda. And uh, yeah, all right. All right. Amen. Brenda, uh, tell us why you're being baptized today. First, uh, just put that right up there. Uh, Dennis explained it. I am broken, and I realize, and as y'all can see, I have a lot of family support. They have been praying for me all of our lives, and I just woke up one day and realized I want what they have. I know they constantly being a Christian is work, but I'm ready to do the work because I tried it by myself and it didn't work out very well. 
And now that I know that I have the support of my family and all of you guys, it's making it a lot easier for me. So what I'd like to do is learn the word and learn to obey in the word and help others also because I'm closer out there than most of y'all and I'm broken, as I stated before, and I can relate to people who's struggling. And I thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. All right. All right. Now we're going to, uh, at the end of my message, we're going to have some worship and um, uh, Brenda will be baptized. And I want to invite anyone here this morning who's heard the, the good news of the kingdom and wants to follow Jesus. It's that simple. And uh, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, if you woke up this morning and you saw a new day and a new door opening in your life, this is what, this is what it is. It's an invitation into the kingdom of Jesus. What I want you to do, very simply, is make your profession of faith by going out in the lobby and asking them for some clothes. You didn't bring clothes today. You weren't planning on this. Well, we have clothes. We have towels. And tell them you want to be baptized, you want to be following Christ. Anybody out there or anybody in here will pray with you. And um, it's your day. And take the step and start the journey. And uh, get into the waters of baptism. When you do that, let me tell you what happens. In Romans chapter 6, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. So a baptism is actually a wonderful combination between uh, a funeral and a commissioning. Uh, Because when Brenda goes under the water, she's burying the old Brenda with Jesus. And when she comes out of the water, she's coming out of the water in resurrection power with Jesus. Right? Amen? Amen. And Paul goes further and tells us uh, uh, some very important things we have to have, and that is the power to do, to power to do all the things that we need to learn. We need to learn to obey. We need to learn not to be angry with our kids. Do you think that you just do that by willpower? No, you do that by the power of God, and it changes you from the inside out. And when when you come out of the baptismal water you'll see people praying for Brenda. They're going to be praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So she has the power to learn and obey all the different stuff that Jesus is going to show her going forward in her life. And Jesus says it this way in Acts. Just before he ascends into heaven on the Mount of Olives, he says this. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And even 20 years later, as Mark Twain would say, even in Cincinnati, uh, you're going to be my witnesses. And so Paul would add to that and he would say, look, church, wake up. You need to have this spirit power. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You want a luscious finish in life? Then you have your inheritance 
in the, in the kingdom of God. You have your inheritance in the kingdom of God. And he says this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, when she comes out of the water, when we get that Holy Spirit, we get the resurrection power of Jesus Christ himself, which enables us to walk out this kingdom life. Now, I'm going to do just a little experiment. If there's anybody here who has defeated, defeated in the power of the resurrection certain enemies of humanity, I'm going to just list these enemies of humanity. And if that's you, I just encourage you to stand as a witness that Christ's resurrection power changed you and healed you and freed you from something like addiction, like gambling. Yeah, like fear. Like anger. How about envy? Materialism. Gluttony. Anxiety. Guilt. Shame. Materialism. Workaholism. And even laziness. Okay. Thank you so much for your incredible witness. Thank you, Jesus, for doing these things for these friends. You can go ahead and be seated. So we come to that time in the service where we just simply invite God to come in and do business with His church. We invite God to come in and do business uh, with you individually. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is circling over you now and encouraging you and if, uh, again, today is the day for you to stand and receive Christ as your Savior along with Brenda, then I invite you to do that now, to stand, uh, to move uh, towards baptism. We'll take care of you if you're ready to be baptized. And I'm going to pray right now. Father, I thank you for the good news of the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, that it is the real thing, not the thing of the Roman Empire, not the thing of the human empire but the thing that's come straight from heaven. So Lord, uh, as we come now to you, to your altar, would you just touch the people here? Infuse us with hope. Infuse us with your good news. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to the altar, church.